What the hell is the name of this song? It's Wayne's World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Uh, he tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody. This is Evan Grant. Barry Horn, Kevin Sherrington have been done away with. And, um, well... Let's just say gross and disgusting forms. Uh, Kevin is at the Olympics uh, in Rio, and Barry is on vacation. And I'm just here manning the phones and manning the the microphones uh, on the Cowboys podcast by myself, except for our good friend David Moore from Oxnard, California. David, good morning. Evan, first let me ask, when is Barry not on vacation? Two, I believe this is the way the podcast should be done. Let's distill it down to the essence of what we want to give the listeners. Just and me, that's you and me. I think just me and you. I, I just did twenty-five minutes with Thad Levine, so it was really just me for for a long portion of time, and didn't have to worry <laughs> about Barry or Kevin. And I got to tell you, as I said to the listeners at the end of the podcast, I really my voice is not that interesting. So. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm glad to have you there. Thad was Thad was fantastic talking Rangers trade deadline, and now we're going to talk about the optimism and glee and frivolity of Cowboys camp. All of those things rolled into one out here in the first few days, Evan. So you've been out there almost a week. Today is Tuesday. Today, uh, I guess, will be a full week that you've been in glorious California. And what is your takeaway from your first six days? of what is going to be, obviously, a Cowboys uh, Super Bowl run? Um, There are more good seafood options to eat at out here. So, Oh, you meant the Cowboys themselves. No, actually, you know, for for, I'm glad to hear that because in Surprise, during spring training, we don't get many new restaurants, David. We we have the same old chains year after year. So I'm, I'm glad that you've got more. To, as, as opposed to just sitting in the desert like I do, I'm glad that out there by the beach you've you've got more nice places to eat. Well, good. I, I, and you sound very sincere when you say that, and, and uh, I, I will try to eat for you on this trip. Thank you, David. Eat for I'm two. Eat for two, way. David. <laughs> I've done that before. It hasn't turned out too well. So but, uh, what's going on out there? Well, we will have our... Um, opened up, and you had your State of the Union press conference, which after it was a, an interesting disconnect, I thought, because uh, that's when Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, and Jason Garrett uh, kind of give start off with opening statements, each of them about their excitement and uh, optimism for the upcoming season. Uh, Jerry Jones talked about how uh, he had visions of sugar plum, seeing how good uh tony romo looked and having him back on this field and, and the level he was operating in the off season and you had about eight and a half minutes of that of the three of them uh espousing their optimism uh why you should be optimistic about this team uh what they've liked about what they did in the off season and then immediately turned to the questions from the leering press if you will and the mood shifted to all of their suspensions uh how how can you say this defense has improved? Look at this defense. Um, you know, what about, you know, Tony Romo's long-term health? And so it 
it, it was interesting because usually I, I, there there is a there is not that large of a or that sharp of a turn from what they present themselves to be to what you go into talking about the season. So um, it was I, I found that pretty interesting. And then you come out of that and uh, really a very uh, uh, emotional and, and, and touching opening to uh, the first practice on Saturday um, when the uh, 13 mem- family members from uh, the the five slain officers, actually four of the families came, one did not, uh, from the slain officers of the ambush uh, in downtown Dallas in July. Uh, they were on the field along with eight Dallas city officials, uh, city councilmen, uh, other, some other members of the police department. Uh, police Chief David Brown uh, came out linked arm in arm uh, to show their support uh, for those families and uh, uh, all came out. It was uh, it was it was a really neat moment, it really was. And then you had your first padded practice of camp on uh, Monday, which is really the official opening of camp. Uh, what you have the first couple of days, they they work out, and, and uh, it's it's what you would call a soft opening in the business world. Uh, they just kind of get their feet under them, uh, then put on the pads on Monday, and that's the official start of camp. And uh, now now we're into it. Well, really, camp doesn't start until the first skirmish. Right. True, and actually, we came close a couple of times yesterday. Oh, uh, tell, I, do I would tell. Anticipate. Uh, I would anticipate though that uh, you know now, now with the collective bargaining agreement, you can't go more than four consecutive days. So they're going to go today, and then have a day off. So, but then they're going to go four days. So I, w- I would put the over under on the first side of camp being either Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon. And who you who do you have in that, David? Um, I mean, forget these predictions about the the season. What we really want to know is who's going to lock up for the first time in skirmish. J.J. Wilcox is always a good possibility. Uh, Des Bryant is a strong contender in any year. Um, I would say, well, you, you got to go to Des. He has more Pro Bowls with him. So I, I would go Des maybe involved in the first uh, skirmish of this camp. Des in the first skirmish. All right. He was last year. I believe he was the first one last year. So he he has a he has a crown to defend. So uh, <laughs> until you unseat the champion, I think you have to go with the champion. So all right. So in the press conference on Saturday, I've always found this whole state of the Cowboys press conference uh, looking from afar is is something of a clown parade um, because it it does seem stilted and stiff and. And somewhat uncomfortable. And I watched a little bit on on TV. Um, Jerry looked kind of scary with the the, the mirrored shun- sunglasses on, and in his uh, looked like he was ready to go out and coach the defense. But was there anything to buy out of their their eight and a half minutes of optimism? Well, no. And, and the thing is, too, these, these press conferences now. Um, that this league and the Cowboys is covered to such an extent that you you hit on all the major themes of the next season during the off season. Uh, I mean, from the draft on, um, you know, you're periodically covering these themes. But what you have is, unlike the other sports where the the action comes fast and furious, nothing happens to advance those stories by and large. Uh, you know, you don't have games. You're not in training games. So. So you come back and, and you're talk, you have this opening press conference and at the end of July, 
but you've talked about all of the same issues for the previous three to four months, and but you haven't been able to advance any of it. So you just kind of go over the same ground. So it's uh, from that standpoint, I, I think it's a little uh, tedious. I, I, I mean, there, the, the reasons for optimism on this team are that uh, you will have Tony Romo and, and Des Bryant back at this point uh, to plug into the season. And while I know some people are skeptical about Tony Romo's ability to stay healthy for a season, um, you look back over the last uh, five years, and certainly this past year was an aberration, and it was a collarbone. It's not particularly an injury that you say, oh, well, this guy's getting older, so this is going to happen again. So um, the, the optimism is this was one of the best and most complete offenses in the league in 2014. And now you have an offensive line that has been together longer, and it arguably has more talent in it now than it has Lyle Collins, and is actually better than it was a couple of years ago. You have Des Bryant and Tony Romo back. You don't have DeMarco Murray, but you're replacing him with Ezekiel Elliott. And even if Elliott doesn't hit the high expectations that people have for him, uh, you're so deep at running back with Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden that you're still going to be able to run the ball uh, in a way you weren't always able to run it last year. That um, I, I think there's a, a, a big reason to be optimistic about this team offensively. Obviously, that what dampens that optimism is is what are they going to get on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I'm interested in what they have to say about uh, about the defensive side of the ball because it's it does seem like it's been a disaster of an offseason defensively. Where are they pinning their optimism on def- uh, defensively? <laughs> Interestingly enough, they're pinning their optimism on the fact that, well, you know, people didn't think would be any good going into 2014, and we were. <laughs> so, uh, to, to me, that's a little uh, is uh, that's not a lot to cling to going in. Uh, you, you can point individually and say that. I mean, you can say that you know. That team uh, lost Sean Lee early in the offseason and, and didn't even have him, and he's back. Um, it has Byron Jones. You plug him in the secondary. He, he's an upgrade over what you've had before. You have some more individual talent, but you have uh, certainly huge questions. And, and in my mind, the biggest questions, and not just my mind, I think everyone will tell you it's the defensive line. Uh, they don't really – they have so few proven players in the defensive line that can apply credit pressure to the quarterback in the NFL today if you can't force the quarterback to get it's not always about sacks it's just forcing the quarterback to move and get rid of the ball quicker than he would like if you can't do that you just get picked apart and uh, you know we've seen that really for the last two years even as even as effective as the Dallas defense was two years ago in forcing turnovers it was unable to put consistent pressure on the quarterback and you saw that, that that was a major role in their loss to Green Bay uh, when you had Brett Farr on the one leg. Uh, they didn't put any pressure on him, and he had the time to stand back there and, and pick apart their defense. So I, I don't think they can address it just with individually who they have from a talent standpoint uh, in the defensive line. I think they're going to have to alter their scheme this year. I think they're going to have to uh, uh, disguise some looks blitz more than Rod Marinelli traditionally likes to blitz. 
uh, to get some pressure. And, and then when you do that, you're creating the possibility of, of uh, opening up some more big plays. So we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, the thing the, the thing for me sitting here from a, a thousand miles away is still the question, yes, their offense is, is providing Ezekiel Elliott is in the lineup and is playing and everybody stays healthy. I think their offense has the ability to, to control clock and really determine on that side of the ball kind of the uh, the tone of the game. But if you're an opposing offense, aren't you going to try and do the same thing and just keep the sure. Cowboy offense off the field and eat up clock and, and, and play monotonous, boring, boring but move the chains football? Yeah, hey, exactly. That's, you know, that's exactly what you're going to do. And uh, – and this, you know, this defense is is undersized. And if you're facing a team that's able to run the ball well uh, and control the clock, I think it's going to give the Cowboys a lot of problems because they're just going to hammer you up front and be able to do that. Um, you know, that I I will say though, I, I think what Dallas's defense, I, I don't believe Dallas's defense as is is as substandard as it appeared last year because I really do think a lot of it was teams came in to play Dallas with a, a stripped-down vanilla game plan offensively every single time, knowing that Dallas didn't have the personnel to beat them and they just didn't want to give – they just didn't want to turn the ball over. They went right. in knowing if we don't turn the ball over, we're just going to physically overpower this team by the end of the game. Uh, because they don't have anything offensively, and uh, we can just overpower their defense. And, and the fact that Dallas so rarely played with a lead last year, uh, you know, a, a lead changes the dynamic of the game. Then teams go, well, we can't just sit back here and, and take uh, three and four or five downs and punt. Let, let, we got to take a shot here. Uh, I don't believe teams were taking those shots last year because they didn't need to, because they were always ahead or, you know, the game was tied. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a phenomenal, phenomenally low amount of time that Dallas actually held a lead in games last year once you get beyond those first two games when they started 2-0. and uh, You go those last 14, uh, it was a, a, such a small percentage. It, it really impacted what the defense could do. So I do think Dallas, with this offense, is going to be able to get leads, uh, jump out, control the clock, and force offenses to take chances they didn't take last year. But it still comes down to, do you have enough playmakers on this defense to capitalize on that? And we're talking about a lack of a pass rush. Right. It, it doesn't have a lot of playmakers in it either. But I, I, I still think if you, if you do are successful in making teams take chances, you do create lower percentage plays for the offense. And if you create a few lower percentage plays for the offense, your chance of getting off the field or creating a turnover and a takeaway do increase. And, and, and I can buy that. You know, I, I think that if this team can get the ball early and score and take a lead, they can force the tone. Uh, and then it does become a question of can they occasionally rise to the occasion and create a takeaway or, or make a stop? And, and if they are, uh, to the second part of your, your point, it does put the it, it will put an onus on opposing defense on opposing offenses that they've got to make the most out of every possession that they have. Yeah, and, and again, this is there's no doubt for the Cowboys to be successful this year. The the overriding impetus for that success lies with the offense. 
if if this offense struggles, if it's not better on third down uh, than it was last year, if it turns the ball over the way it did last year, um, this defense is not going to be able to prop it up and help it out. You know, as the season goes along, uh, dynamics change, players' confidence change, and, and you saw that a couple of years ago. And, and I hate I hate to keep referring to 2014 because I think that's a crutch, and I think actually I think too many people out here are referring to two. 2014 too often like oh well we have everybody back now we'll just pick up uh what the team we were in 2014 now that we're healthy and we can move forward i I think that's very dangerous thinking and uh uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out but but i also understand it because it's the only uh, it's the only season under jason garrett that this team has had any success that they can point to and say look we were all around here for this you know it's interesting because for years and years uh, you would come to training camp and, and people talk about, well, you know, can this team go to the Super Bowl? Uh, those days are so far gone. Now team, now this team is just talking about, can we be the team we were in 2014 when we went to the second round of the playoffs and lost? Right, right. So, um, it, so I, I find that very interesting as well. And, and it talks about the lowered expectation this franchise has for itself over time. All of that being said, I think there there is reason for optimism just because you have a look. And I know people said you know other teams were hit with injuries last year, uh, and that's true. You have to absorb those and go on. Yeah, but, but losing a franchise level quarterback like Tony Romo and a franchise and receiver, quality receiver yeah. like to, like this Brian, I, it, that's like losing your number one and two starting pitchers in a, in a baseball rotation, and it's it's hard to overcome. There, there's no doubt about that. Oh, exactly. And, 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 you know, people point last year, well, you know, uh, Green Bay lost Jordy Nelson. Yes, they did, but they didn't lose Brett Favre. I right. mean, you know, they didn't lose Aaron Rodgers. You put right. Aaron Rodgers with that, what would that team have been? Uh, yes, in, in past years, uh, Rob Gronkowski was out for New England, but they still had Tom Brady. Take Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski out, and how effective would New England be? Now, I, I think you can argue, make a strong argument well, they would be more effective than 4-12, and 12, which is what the Cowboys were last year. I agree with that. But would they be effective enough to challenge for a championship? And the answer is no. So, uh, you know, I think as, as the losses mounted last year, and it was clear those guys weren't going to come back, or when they did come back, they, they were going to be compromised by injury and not the players they were before. I think Dallas had such high expectations last year when they saw those weren't going to be realized they crashed and burned. And I really think you see that in all sports where a team has expectations and it gets away from them quickly. And they know, look, even if we write this, we're not going to be able to get to where we wanted to go this year. Uh, it usually doesn't turn out well for the remainder of the season. And that was certainly case, the case with the Cowboys in 2015. All right, David, the, the thing that interested me the most over the weekend, I think was the, the ceremony before the opening practice with the players and coaches coming out linked arms with uh, the survivors of, of uh, not the, not just the survivors, but the surviving members of families of of the slain law officers and uh, Mike Rawlings and, and David Brown. Give me your view of that ceremony and, and why you felt like it was um, moving and, and special. Well, to me it was special because it wasn't, it didn't grow out of the Cowboys saying, let's do this. It grew out of Jason Witten 
calling up Charlotte Jones Anderson and saying, what are we going to do? We need to do something. Uh, we, we need to show our, our unity and, and uh, support and do something for the uh, families uh, of these police officers and, 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 and focus on uh, unity, uh, not the divisiveness that's going on. And so that's how it started. Um, so, you know, Jason Witten and, and, and Charlotte start talking back and forth. They start bouncing ideas around. Uh, they come up with, and, and this, from, from what I've been told from, from several people, uh, Jason's going, well, what, what if we all, you know, look, we can't make a big, grand, sweeping statement, but this is about these families. Uh, we need to support these families. So how can, what if we all came out with our arms linked? Uh, and Charlotte's going, well, that's a great idea. And then, you know, Jason Witten saying, well, what if, and maybe commemorate it somehow. Can we have like a, a, a decal? If we're talking about coming out arm in arm, can we do, go with a decal that we do on the helmet? So the, the fact is sprung from a player and not from the organization. And the organization took it, uh, helped organize it, uh, and then paid for it, uh, I think, was what made it special. And, and um, the, the fact that it wasn't promoted. I mean, you know, a lot of uh, uh, even some of the players weren't aware of this until the uh, the morning walkthrough. After the morning walkthrough, uh, Jason and you know informed the team what it was going to do. He had talked to he had talked to the other captains, uh, some of the veteran leadership on the team knew, but. Uh, they wanted to keep the focus on the families, so they flew the families in on Friday night, uh, put them up at a, a hotel on the beach near here. Um, they came in Saturday for that event. Uh, then they had dinner, and the, uh, they got to eat with the players uh, after practice on Saturday evening, and then they flew back on uh, the Jones family jet uh, Sunday morning. So it was, a, it was also a good diversion for these families that have dealt with so much grief and such a spotlight for the last month. Yeah, and that's, and you know, Jason Witten made that point, and Barry Church spoke about it, and the other players was, um, you know, look, this is, there, there are discussions that need to take place here uh, about what is happening, uh, you know, the, the breakdowns in our community. Uh, we, those are important discussions. We need to have those discussions. Uh, we agree that those discussions need to take place, and, and, and it needs to move into action, not just discussion. But this is what we can do right now. What we can do right now is show our love and support for these families because, you know what, uh, a lot of us have children. We can't imagine uh, having a, a parent taken away from them at, at this age and just having to deal with that and what they have to go through. And now you're at the point... Uh, in the aftermath where you had the initial uh, response and outpouring uh, of support and love. But we want to make sure we can keep that going and, and uh, keep this, you know, front and center for other people to think about. So, uh, I, I again, I, I thought they did a, a really nice job with it. And, and it was, uh, to me, it, to, it made sense. And it, and it wasn't too large. It, and it, it was making a statement that really no one can disagree with. Uh, of just showing the, the compassion and support uh, for all. So, how stupid is the NFL, David? <laughs> well, I know where you're going on this. And, and the decals, uh, they can wear them uh, during practice. They can, 
they still have yet to hear whether they'll be allowed to wear them in the preseason game. All right, but, but let, let's uh, give people some background here. They, the, the, the Cowboys wanted to wear a decal on the back of their helmets during the season, right, with a star. The, the, arm in arm, yeah, a star, like basically a police star, a Cowboys are mutating that, and, and arm in arm, a decal right next to the NFL decal on the back of their helmets. And the NFL, which can't seem to get its many of its policies right, does have a very strict policy about this, correct? Yes, anything that is worn on game day that is not part of the game day uniform has to be approved. Um, and, you know, even the Cowboys, I was talking to Stephen Jones on this, and, and he doesn't really have an issue with the, with the regular season because, as he says, there are so many uh, heartfelt, genuine uh, causes and issues out there that um, – that deserve this sort of attention or acknowledgement, uh, no matter how small on a helmet or a uniform uh, with a team for a, for a game or a season, that once you start allowing it on a, on a seasonal basis, then where, uh, where do you draw the line? Because there are so many uh, uh, that, that are worthy of this. And right. so because there are so many, well, we won't allow any. And now, so it's not going to happen during the regular season. Now, as soon as I wrote about this the other day, I had people saying, well, that's not true. Uh, look at what happened with Sandy Hook. The Giants did this. And that. Well, that was, a one, that was a one game exception. And it was something that happened, I believe, in season. It did not happen. You know, it, time of this is going to be, uh, and this is not to minimize the, the impact of, of this tragedy, but it's going to be several months removed. And you're going to, unfortunately, right. you're going to have other uh, there's a potential for other events like this leading up to it. And, and a lot of it's timing. Uh, a lot of it is just, um, you know, from the NFL standpoint, I know they get bashed on this, and, and they're, uh, I think they're too heavy-handed on it. I don't think anyone would, would disagree with that. But I do, I do understand and sympathize with the concept of there are so many legitimate, genuine worthy issues that deserve this attention once you have to have some regulation on it and and the nfl has chosen the regulation of we don't do it you know uh your team can associate uh with it uh certainly you know do fundraising for it uh use your platform and leverage for events that will get money and people in the door uh for whether it's you know breast cancer which is one thing they do as a league uh, and others, but uh, allowing each of the 30 teams to determine which causes they were going to do uh, and then fitting it under the NFL umbrella just doesn't fit the NFL control model, if you will. Control being a big word in the NFL. Uh, a huge I, word. All right, let's um, let's move on to something else. Uh, is... is um, is Tony Romo fat or is John Machota a terrible photographer? It can be both, correct? Could be. Could be. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, yes, that, that was not the most flattering of angles that uh, John Machota captured uh, Tony Romo as he ran onto the field for the first practice over the weekend. Are we sure that wasn't uh, Jared Lorenzen? <laughs> well, and, it, and, it, and it did create a, a lot of clever 
and uh, very funny memes. Uh, some were mean-spirited, but most I saw were, were funny. And, Something on the Internet was mean-spirited? What? <laughs> Never. Hard to believe. <laughs> but uh, I, I think other than the fact that now Tony feels he cannot go out and eat in public at any time over the next two to three months because <laughs> someone's going to take a photo of what he's eating and, and uh, send it out. Other than that... Uh, uh, I think he's taken it in stride. He, he was pretty good about it yesterday. He, you know, he, he talked about it in the press conference and and uh, joked about it. And uh, I talked to him a little bit after the fact. And uh, I just asked him, I said, uh, well, hey, so what, now Now that uh, you finished practice for the day, you're going to go throw down two or three pizzas and have a six-pack? And uh, just go on. She said, yeah, yeah, I just can't, you know. So he, he was joking around with it and uh, – uh, was taking it in the in the spirit in which it was intended. Actually, uh, as he pointed out, he said, I've, I've received some more legitimate and pointed criticism about what I've done over my career where I find this just kind of amusing. Uh, but he's, he's in good shape. There's no, you know, he's never, he, he is not, if you're looking for the Adonis body at quarterback, it has never been Tony Romo. Right. As, uh, as, as people say now, he's, he has a dad bod. And uh, and that's that's just him. He 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 is not your classic chiseled uh, athletic physique. And as you get older, like you or I, as I might add. Well, no, yeah. Well, a classic chiseled physique really doesn't apply to anyone in the sports writing industry that I'm aware of. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, So, but how does he look, David? Does he look fine to you? Yeah, I mean, he looks like, again, you know, this time of camp, he's, it's, he has a wider body, <laughs> you know, and you tend to notice it a little bit more uh, when you catch it at a certain angle and, and when you look at other quarterbacks and see how they're built. Um, but his, his ability to move around, uh, his ability to throw the ball, uh, that is as good as, as, you know, it's ever been. All right, David, what else do you have to add from, from Oxnard before I get tired of hearing both of our voices? <laughs> well, I'm already tired of hearing both of our voices, but, uh, you know, so far it's been uh, now that it's up Did you say Profard? Are you getting into baseball? Profard? Oh, yeah. Oh, is Profard still with the team? Yes, he is still with the team, actually. Profard, okay. so good. What about what about Joey Gallo and uh, – is he still with the team? Well, he's with the organization. He's not with the <laughs> team. He's um, been optioned to AAA. Oh, okay. So when is the trade deadline? That was yesterday, David. I was um, a little bit hectic yesterday. Oh, okay. Okay. That's why we we postponed the uh, we postponed the podcast one day for for that for trade deadline purposes and to uh, to be able to get you a full week so that you could really absorb. The atmosphere in Oxnard. The atmosphere. Speaking of atmosphere, the marine layer has come back in. It was absent for a few days, so it's uh, keeping the temperatures down. I, I know everyone in Dallas, Fort Worth, will be happy to hear that. Uh, it was. Uh, I believe it was 105 in my car yesterday. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, at this point, certainly, uh, I believe Jason Garrett wants. An, an understated camp where the focus is on just these guys and practices and not much happens. We're very early into this camp, uh, but that's what's taken place so far. I mean, now that 
now that Randy Gregory and Rolando McLean did not make it uh, to training camp and aren't here, any potential distractions and, and discussion of that has been tabled, if you will, or, or at least it's not front and center every day because you know these guys aren't going to show up. So, no, I, th- I I would think that with it not with them not being there, it, it's probably the best situation because you don't have that lingering there, and there's not reason to ask that question day after day. Yeah, and and they and the Cowboys have have uh, been pretty adamant and adopted more so than in the past. Uh, look. Guys, we've already talked about that. They're not here. I'm answering questions about the guys who are here. Right. And, um, and, and and the fact that you know both of these guys are going to be out for such a long period of time, uh, I think that, that stops the, the questioning and that distraction as well, too. So uh, all, all of the issues, the unresolved issues, if they will, other than how this team is going to perform, which is the biggest issue, but all the other unresolved issues – have been tabled or, or pushed off and, and resolved uh, before this camp got underway. Now it's just seeing, um, you know, how healthy these guys are able to remain, and uh, you go from there. So um, the last thing here is the one thing that could, beyond injury, the one thing here that could become a distraction is if anything – uh, comes of the the Zeke Elliott situation, and where do we stand on that? And what's your understanding of how this will proceed? Yeah, he is not. Uh, he was asked about it when when he spoke the other day, and obviously is saying he's not going to discuss an ongoing matter. Uh, it has been referred to the prosecutors. The prosecutor's office uh, in Columbus, Ohio, is looking at it. Uh, you know, there was no initial uh, police report or charges filed off the police report. But that doesn't mean you still don't look at the incident going forward. So the prosecutor's office in Columbus is looking at this uh, because of this because this falls under uh, you know domestic abuse, even though technically it is not called that in Columbus, because for it to be domestic abuse, you have to prove uh, that the two individuals live together. Right. Now she said they lived together. He has said they did not. So that's something else to sort through from a uh, semantical standpoint on, on what it actually is called in Columbus, but it falls under the, uh, the NFL's domestic abuse policy. So they have, they're looking into it, and they have investigators as well trying to determine. And it's not just what, what if anything, happened that evening uh, that the allegations were made, but now that those allegations were made, it's, was there any evidence of abuse during this relationship, even if it wasn't on the evening in question? So they're not just focusing on that one evening. They're going back to see, well, okay, is there any evidence of this? Uh, the Cowboys look into it as well. And, you know, it will remain open until the prosecutors in Columbus say we're going forward or there's nothing forward to go on. But uh, the NFL is. Go forward with. The NFL and the Cowboys are going to have to conduct. A, a, a thorough investigation here. They cannot afford to let this situation, to let anything get by no. them in their due diligence here. No, not at all. Because, again, that's why I'm saying they're not just focusing on the allegations of that night. If there's any evidence prior right. uh, to that night that abuse took place, uh, you know, what happened on that night, I don't want to say is irrelevant, but that is just part of the overall picture. So now, uh, these charges, uh, 
basically start a review of the entire relationship to see if there, uh, if domestic abuse has taken place or if abuse has taken place. And, you know, if the league finds that there has or, or there's been evidence of this, um, there, there's no recourse under the new policy. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott would be suspended for six games. And and we have but again. I, I believe, as far as the time frame on this, it, it is going. That is in in the hands of the of the prosecutors in um, in uh, Columbus, and whether or not they did decide to proceed. Right. So this this could go on some some length of time indefinitely here. Yeah, and and you can have like the NFL and the Cowboys have both concluded and said, you know. Um, yeah, but the NFL and Cowboys can't afford to conclude before the before the prosecutor in Columbus does. That's for sure. Well, that they can conclude, but they can't say anything publicly, right? right. <laughs> you know, because uh, they can say, well, they can conclude, okay, no, no abuse took place. This is going to go away. We're just going to have to wait this out. But you know, and I'm not saying it did or it didn't, but they could also conclude, well, you know what, there was abuse before, but we're not going to come out and say anything because if the prosecution, you know, lets it go, uh, who are we to come back and and file charges? So it's a uh, it's a complicated situation, as, as these issues always are, and I know everyone wants it resolved sooner rather than later, but the purpose is to resolve it in the way that is just and fair for everyone involved. Correct. And a lot of times that takes time. So um, the, the Cowboys and the NFL are on the timetable of uh, police, the prosecutor's office in Columbus at this time. All right, so before I let you go, how excited are you for the first exhibition? I'm excited from the standpoint that once you have the first exhibition, it means that camp is over about five days later. Right. That is my Although this year it will be actually this year more than, than most. It will be at least interesting from the standpoint of their first preseason game will be in L.A. So it's going to be the first uh, it's going to be, you know, NFL's return to L.A. after a long absence. So right. I think that's going to be uh, an interesting game and, and give it certainly give it uh, some import that really no preseason game has. Yeah, it's just, you know, in, in baseball spring training, you, you get there, the first 10 days are workouts, and it's real exciting to watch pitchers go through drills for – the first two days, and then you're like, okay, let's get to a spring training game. And then after about three spring training games, you're at the point where, uh, can we go home yet? Now, I, I guess in your situation, you guys get to go home after that first exhibition. So, Yeah, um, normally it's a little more extended. I usually do the first two out here, but they were unable to do the first two out here this year. Uh, so but because of scheduling at AT&T Stadium, so they have to go back and then go back out on the road, which they normally don't do. Uh, but all that being said, and, and you know, the, the NFL, once you hit the first preseason game, at least then you're kind of on the routine that the team will follow all the way through the end of the year. Right. Uh, because you're always building up to a game. Even, even when those preseason games are meaningful, uh, they may be meaningful to us, but they're not meaningful to the guys who are trying to make the roster. Right. But, the, but the routine is still the same. You, you, you pitch your pattern, and, and uh, the NFL is, is nothing if not about routine. Yeah, the routine and control. Um, yes. David, it has been, it has been ple- a, a pleasure to uh, spend all this time just with you. 
Um, I can't put my finger on it, but I've enjoyed this more than any other podcast, ballsy podcast I've done. I, I'm not sure quite. I, I'm still trying to determine what the difference is, but this is clearly the most enjoyable for me personally. Kevin. Certainly the level of, of, of the quality of conversation has been stellar. The discourse was above and beyond, and, and certainly something this podcast rarely sees, yes. Good, friendly banter is the way I like to, to present it. Well, David, you stay safe and, and apply the sunscreen out there, and um, uh, we will see you back here, uh, and uh, we, will, uh, we will chat again soon. Sounds good, and uh, let me know if the Rangers make any moves here leading up to the uh, end of the regular season. Uh, don't worry. I'm sure that whether they do or not, I'll be reporting plenty of rumors still going forward. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Evan. See you, David. There he goes, David Moore. Back out to the marine layer, balmy, comfortable Southern California. And uh, I'm going to go back out into the blast furnace of this afternoon here at the Dallas Morning News World Headquarters. That has been... The Cowboys Ballsy Podcast for today. Uh, our other podcast was uh, with Rangers Assistant General Manager Thad Levine breaking down the club's actions at the trade deadline. There is no college podcast this week. Uh, figure I have given you enough of, of my voice, and we will wait until Barry gets back for a third podcast uh, next week. So thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can find us at Ballsy Podcast uh, on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you soon.